Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi. And joining me to take your questions this evening are Ashraf Mohammed from Corner Peace Capital and Wayne McCurry from F&B Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Wayne, Ashraf, good evening to you both. Wayne, if I may start with you, um, it was a slightly better day on the JSE today in the sense that we didn't um, fall in a, another heap. Uh, we were only down about half a percent by the close. I mean, the RAND took most of the smack yesterday. Um, but uh, if I can reference David Shapiro, who, who's jetting off to New York this evening, one of his tweets yesterday was that if you've got markets reacting so violently, if they can swivel so violently on a decimal point miss, you just actually want to stay out of the markets. Is that how you feel <laughs> at the moment? <clears throat> now, look, I think David, <clears throat> by and large, is right as per normal. Look, the actual problem is not the data we're getting. I mean, we know inflation's high. We know interest rates are going up. And inflation probably has peaked. But the real problem is the markets rallied sharply and strongly till the day of the Fed Reserve speak. When was that? Two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? And now they're coming off. So the real problem is the market shouldn't have rallied in a bear market with rising interest rates and rising inflation. I mean, literally... It was rising in a vacuum of good news. There was no logic and reason for the markets to rally. Mm. Now it's just coming back to reality. So I actually don't think there's anything terribly unexpected about the data. So, okay, so inflation was 2.2% higher than what it was expected to be. If the market hadn't have rallied so strongly, it probably wouldn't have reacted to this inflation number because David's quite correct. I mean, these are 0.2%. It's nothing. Yeah. But, you know, when the market has built up false expectations and all of a sudden, even the smallest amount of negative data that goes against that expectation, markets can collapse. And that's exactly what they did last night. Mm. Ashraf, um, do you sense that there's going to be the mother of all interest rate hikes at the next Fed meeting? Um, or uh, I think it was <laughs> Sean Ashton saying today that, uh, it's going to be quite tricky for the Fed to raise interest rates uh, massively because the government, the U.S. government, has so much debt. That's going to become a bit of a problem for them. Um, I think there will be another 75 basis points um, and then a further 75 bips after that. So we'll get 150 before year end. Um, sure, the, the U.S. government... Um, Debt has been uh, the point of debate for the last 15 years. And we have that debt clock in the U.S. that, uh, you know, perpetually ticks higher. However, the reality is that as long as people accept your paper, your it doesn't really matter. As long as they accept your currency, it doesn't really matter. It's when your currency is less acceptable and people are not valuing assets in, in U.S. dollars, that the challenge really comes, uh, comes to life. Yeah. So, so if you're looking at it, you know, on a technical basis, Sean is right, but um, people are still willing to, to accept dollars as a form of payment. Um, it's just Russia now who's, you know, who are forcing Europeans to pay them in rubles, but that's just for natural gas which they have a plan to to move off in the next uh, 6 to 12 months. Yeah.
And you could say that people are even more uh, willing to accept the dollar, considering how everyone's rushed into it and is yes. the one asset that's <laughs> outperforming everything Absolutely. else. Absolutely. <laughs> to our detriment, sadly. Um, yeah, so, so the dollars replace gold as, as a safe haven. Um, and that's why when people you know, ask the question, why is gold not performing in this period of uncertainty? That's the, the short answer. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, there aren't too many questions around the crash that we witnessed really yesterday. Um, but here's one um, picking up on, on David and Wayne's one-liners. Um, so the viewer says, I love uh, the one-liners like falling knives and why invest in brick and mortar, etc. Um, but Wayne's, I haven't seen anyone jump off a building for taking some profit is a sensitive one, this viewer says. I have sold shares at a big profit only to see them double after that. It's a sort of edge of building feeling. Um, Wayne, I suppose. Yeah. I, well, I don't yeah, know. Well, what look, to say look, as, as I said, you might you 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 regret selling them, but you still made a profit. You know, you still made a profit. So don't don't be too negative and don't be too harsh on yourself. Just to come back to the previous question that that was asked about U.S. debt, you must remember government debt is it matures over a twenty-year time period. Talking U.S. in particular. So they don't pay the higher interest rates immediately at all. It's phased in as the debt matures and they've got to reissue debt. Instead of issuing at 0.6%, and now they've got to issue at 3.2%. So it is a very gradual process how the interest rate bill goes up for the government. Okay. But this is the next crisis, is government debt. Because during the good years, with interest rates, long-term rates below one, and in some cases actually even negative, Governments issued debt like there was no tomorrow because the cost thereof was effectively nil. Now, when they reprice that debt, it's going to be a serious problem. But that's in the decades' time. We don't have to worry about it today. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, restrict maybe what we have to worry about today. Um, yes. Just before I get to other questions, uh, Ashraf, your feeling about the general market, is it something that you would really just kind of stay out? Um, I mean, going back to Wayne's point, maybe the, the expectations were unrealistic and therefore, and the forecasts were wrong and then everyone punishes the market because their own forecasts and their own expectations were off the charts. Um, but is it, is it sort of safer to just stay in cash for the, time, for the for foreseeable future? I think maybe I've lost Ashraf there. Um, okay, we shall come. Wayne, I'm going to go into questions there while Ashraf's uh, uh, connection reboots. Um, Ashraf, can you hear us? Yeah, Julieta, I, I can hear you. Okay. Um, the, you know, the, challenge, the challenge over the next four weeks is a lot of the companies are going to be presenting at different conferences in the U.S., the analysts are going to be rejigging their numbers and it will be earnings downgrades rather than earnings upgrades. So we will see volatility in the market. And I think also Powell's um, FOMC speech next week will be indicative of where they see the path going into the first quarter of next year. Okay. And all of that's going to impact the market. So um, yeah, my short answer is it pays to be out of the market for now, but really buy quality businesses at, uh, at the lower levels. Okay. All right, getting on to questions. Uh, there's one on RMB Holdings asking whether it's a, a good buy at these levels until it's delisting, which we discussed on Monday. We 
thought it was an inevitability. Um, what other assets are left to be sold? Wayne, do you think you can make a, a sort of a, an assured buck, if not necessarily a quick one, in RMB? Look, I'm not too sure about the, the, the delisting. I, I'm just not sure about that. Um, but look, why not? You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't just buy it for a delisting and some sort of premium on on the takeout. To be honest. Okay. Would you buy it? Um, is there any cause for you to want to buy it at this point? Look, I think it's got to settle down a little bit first, and then we can have another look at it. Mm. Ashraf, your thoughts on this? You know, Atterbury Europe is the, the asset that they've announced that they intend to sell recently. Um, is there much left in it that would kind of tempt you into it? Oh, dear. <laughs> no, I, I prefer... Ashraf? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Slightly. Uns Look, I mean, I, I must say it, it is more than likely it will be delisted because there are only the property assets left in there. And, and, you know, normally a delisting would come at some sort of premium, but to try and make a turn out of that, I, I'm not sure that I could. Buying into operating businesses rather than just trying to, to buy the discount. Okay. Yeah, sadly, Ashraf, your connection is not great. I can only assume that it's load shedding that is messing with us. You said, if I understood you there, you would rather buy into an operating company, not an investment holding company. Okay, there we've lost Ashraf. Okay, more reasons to hate ESCOM. Ashraf, I don't know if I should carry on laboring this question, but you're saying you would rather not hold a company that didn't have operating assets. Is that the gist of it? Correct. Correct. It's okay. um, you know to try and take advantage of that um, of that discount. I I don't think it's worth your while. Okay. Then a question on two entirely different shares: Sunlam and Carp Agri. Would they be good buys at the current price for the long term? Uh, sticking with you while we have you, Ashraf. Do either of you do you follow um, either of those? In short, Sunlam. No, I I did take a look at their results. Um, you know they've been the the forerunners in the in the insurance sector in in terms of the way they they pivoted. But in a debate I was having with a fellow fund manager this afternoon, um, you know the one thing that we were discussing is the the high operating costs at another insurance company, uh, which I won't mention now. And you know if they just start trimming back on those costs, you could see significant earnings growth. Unfortunately, there are regulatory costs for insurers that I think will continue to be a struggle for them going forward. So I'm not I'm not that crazy about Sunlam, even though I think it's the best of the South African insurers. Um, Carp Agri, I I do like. I think that over over a three to five year period. They will continue to to generate good cash flow. I'm seeing a lot of interest in the, um, South African farms and investment forced into South African farming assets from offshore. So I do think that um, Carp Agri will will do very well over the next uh, three to five years. Wayne, what's your view on either Carp Agri or Sunlam? No, look, I do agree certainly with on on the Sunlum sentiment. I mean, it's a very good company over time, but you know, a life company 
is not a company you want to invest in a difficult market, in a down market, in a bear market. A lot of their earnings are geared to what the market does. And we all know at the moment it's going down and certainly the return year to date is not great. And uh, obviously then people come under pressure and you can't do as much selling. You know, you want these are, these are bull market investments. So I would wait a little bit before buying on some long cap agri. And see, this isn't a comment about the company. I fundamentally don't like agriculture-related businesses. There is, they are so cyclical. The earnings are heavily cyclical. And so much is completely out of the company's and management's control. The weather, what happens in overseas, what happens in other, in other, in other areas of the world that you have no control. I mean, you, you literally, you know, you're not the master of your own destiny. Mm. In, in probably the worst uh, sector to be in in respect of the influence that management can have on the ultimate outcome of profit. So I, I don't like any agricultural company. And certainly when you look at Carp Agri, I mean, the share price can go down, you know, fall massively and then double and double again and then, you know, half and half again after that. These are heavily cyclical companies. Okay. Gaming stocks. There's a question on Sun International. Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Ashraf. Can you panel give their thoughts on Sun International? I expect an inrush of tourists by the year end uh, 2022. Does your panel expect a good report from our local tourism and a very good 2023 year for tourism industries? Ashraf, what, uh, what do you anticipate? So I agree with the, the rush of tourists coming into South Africa. I've been chatting to a few operators in Cape Town over the past two weeks, and um, they are pretty much booked up for December and the first week of Jan. Um, people are renting out their homes again at exorbitant rand prices. So all of that is indicative of, of demand. And uh, so my expectation is we'll, we'll get those numbers will be up over the summer period, and I think um, we'll start seeing benefits going into the new year. Um, I know that at Sun City, they have started seeing a pickup in, in tourism numbers, and, you know, casinos are partly dependent on tourism. The other part is, is the local economy, and uh, so I think we'll, you know, we'll see a bit of a pickup in in that activity as well although a lot of there was a lot of local tourism going to to sun international resorts and hotels mm. um in the past year so i don't think that's going to kick up significantly yeah Wayne, I mean, you're thinking, uh, you know, Sun International is in clearly a much better financial position than it has been for a very long time. The pandemic yes. notwithstanding, or possibly because of the pandemic, because it had to make such aggressive and deep cuts, had to really, you know, sort out the business. At 30 Rand, do you think it's, do you think it's sort of fairly priced now, though? Or is, is the market maybe missing what could be a bumper next two years? Look, with the rand where it is and no gas and you can't keep warm in winter in the UK and Europe, we are going to see bumper tourists coming here. I mean, and when you look at the results from all, the, all the, the hotel companies, they're actually well over the COVID now. And as you were saying earlier on, you know, never waste a good crisis. Because when you get a crisis and you retrench and you slash costs, you know, you don't pick up those costs again immediately. You actually carry on with the reduced cost base for quite a while because you learn to do 
you know, more with less, essentially, during, during any crisis. Mm. So these companies are going to generate enormous profits, I, I would think, going over the next few years. But it's a cyclical thing again. Um, but certainly right now, it's probably, I, I think there's still more upside. Mm. Okay. Then what about conduit capital? This uh, viewer is quite a persistent uh, question. Um, and he says, um, what do you think about this company? Its main asset is about to be liquidated. Uh, at four cents a share, is this worth a punt considering it still has private investments that are worth more than its current market cap? Ashraf, would you take a, would you take a chance on this? No, I, I wouldn't take a punt uh, on conduit capital. I would rather... <laughs> I'd rather go and mine diamonds in the Orange River. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's, let's go way up risky investments. Okay. Ashraf's going to pan for diamonds. Um, Wayne, I mean, if... Okay, but, you know, to, to side with this, the viewer, uh, if there are private investments that are worth more than the present market cap, is it an inevitability that somehow you, someone else is going to recognize that and you could say double your money or you know if it goes up from four cents to six cents a share and you've bought a whack load of them uh you know yeah. you could do quite well look look two things number one you must treat this as option money because it's either going to double or triple or go to zero because that's the nature of this the second point is there's a key word there in private investments you never know the value of anything until someone buys it from you and pays a price you don't know what I mean. any private investment, any director's valuation is an estimate. It's a guess of what they think the business is worth. You know, stock market, you might not like the price, but there is a definitive price that, you know, assets are worth on, on the stock market. Private, private investments off market, unlisted. You truly don't really know what that value is mm. until you sell it or list it. And I suppose the other question is, can you believe what management, uh, management's valuations, if this is the management that has essentially run a company into the hands of curators and liquidators? Well, look, that, that, that's the point is you don't know what that value is until someone's prepared to pay you money for it. Mm. Okay. Um, there's a question. I don't know if I don't know if it's an answerable question by either of you, but it's please ask the panel. What's the difference between the active ETFs on the JSC to be launched in October and the ones that we buy through brokers like Easy Equities? Ashraf, do you have any ah. answer? <laughs> so, so the the ETFs you buy through through Easy Equities are either based on a benchmark or a theme, etc., and they're not traded on a daily basis. Um, they traded on quarterly when when the strategy is adjusted or the benchmark is is changed. Um, an active ETF um, for those who who know about Cathy Hood would be the Ark Innovation Fund, um, where they they regularly trade within the ETF. Um, so it operates very much like a unit trust, but it's just a different form. Mm. Um, and that's that's really the difference between an active ETF and an e, you know a benchmark or a themed ETF. When I mean you're thinking, if you're an, a buyer of ETFs, you you're going to be taking what is going to be happening to the overall market now. Would you still yes. be comfortable with that, um, or is this a time where you want 
someone to to pick stocks or i mean is there absolutely no guarantee that your stock pickers are going to do any better than what you're seeing on the general market performance well, look look one thing you know half the stock pickers will do worse than the market and the other half will do better than the market because <laughs> that's that's how the market works but you know you know as Astrof was saying it's just another legal format for a unit trust you know etfs came on the scene as index trackers or you know very specific call it index tracking for want of a better word you are tracking something or you're following the price of something a commodity or whatever so it was just a liquid way an easy way for you to buy platinum shares or to buy underlying coal or, or you know whatever the etf was tracking or trying to represent an active etf is just you know another legal form of a unit trust as far as i can make up yeah okay just uh, Ashraf, on uh, Kathy Wood's ARC Innovation Fund, hasn't had a very good year. Um, I mean, is, is that a cautionary tale? Um, or is it just the underlying investments were the wrong ones? Look, you know, she has a specific uh, investment theme. She's looking at innovative businesses and her, her view is that expect capital growth over five to ten years. Um, the theme she invested into, you know, came front and center uh, during the lockdown period. Um, so you can say it was fortunate in, in one respect because it drew a lot of attention to the fund, but unfortunate because they got a slew of money coming through the door and they were forced to, to invest it into these assets. And then it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and then, of course, as the money gets withdrawn, it it works the other way. So, I... mm. and we are. Yeah, so we've lost you a little bit there, but we I think we have you still. Okay. Um, yeah, so I just think that, you know, the markets have moved against it, but I do like a lot of the ideas within the fund, but not for right now. Maybe start looking at, at it in two to three years' time. Okay. There's another question on Tungela. I, I, I'm sorry for the viewers who watched the, uh, the show last night because I think there was one on, on actually trading um, Tungela with regards to the dividend that you're about to get out of it, the 60 rand dividend. Um, Wayne, the question, though, was with, with rising interest rates, is Tungela still a buy? Or is that sort of a, not a factor that you need to consider with a stock like Tungela? It's purely the coal price. Well, the coal price is dependent on economic growth. So if economic growth is going to slow down because of higher interest rates, the coal price will come down and all commodities will come down. So now is not the time to buy a commodity share. Hang on. I think you'll get these shares significantly cheaper. I know coal is a very specific case because, you know, no one touched coal for five years and all of a sudden people worked out, hey, you know, 50% of the world's power is still generated by coal and there's no new supply. So, the, you know, the, the price went through the roof. Mm. But... You know, there is no such, there's no better cure for high prices than high prices themselves. Because when the price is too high, you make a plan, you use something else or you use less of it. You make a plan. So I, I certainly wouldn't buy it. You know, the story about dividend trading, you know, if it pays you a 50 rand dividend, in theory, everything else being equal, the share falls by 50 rand. Yeah. Ashraf, uh, do you have a similar view? I mean, uh, I absolutely agree with Wayne. Um, if you're going to get um, uh, economic growth gummed up, you don't want to be owning commodity shares. But 
um, with all, you know, coal is in a particular place because of a, an outlying event, which is the war in Ukraine and the standoff with Russia um, and uh, Europe's dependence on Russian gas and its desire to loosen itself from that uh, dependence. Correct, correct. And it's, it speaks to my, my stock pick as well. Um, so maybe I should go there given the time limits. No, um, you go for it. We, have, uh, we are onto stock pick uh, uh, time anyway, so you might as well launch into it. Yeah, so, so my stock pick being Xaro, it's, it's sitting on a PE of uh, just over four times. Um, and the reason why I like coal is Wayne, Wayne said that, you know, higher prices uh, forces people into alternatives. The higher gas price forced people to look at an alternative um, as well as the, the Russian sanctions, then that alternative is coal. Um, so that's the one part of my, my argument. The other part is the Chinese government's just announced five new coal-fired power stations. There's no new coal supply. India continues to use coal um, because their refinery in, um, in Gujarat is under significant pressure and therefore they can't pump out enough oil to generate um, electricity as well. So that's going to keep the oil, uh, sorry, the coal price elevated for a while still. Mm. Um, so I know we, we've got slightly diff differing views, but I think the, the, the coal price remains above the level which I've chosen of $350 a tonne. Um, yeah. for the at least the next six months. Okay. And Xara for you maybe is a slightly less frothy option than Tungela? Yeah. Far less and, um, you know, great cash management as, uh, as well as um, the fact that they're moving into alternative energy. Okay. Wayne, how about you? On my stock pick? Yeah. Okay, my stock pick, we really spoke about it last week, I think it was, because it was a question on it, and that's Coronation Fund Managers. I mean, this share price is back at COVID lows. Mm. I know the dividend's been cut, and it might be cut again, but you still, you know, even if the dividend halves from the current level, you're still going to get a very good dividend yield on the share. The price-earnings ratio is single digit, and you're in a bear market. I mean, you, that's the exact recipe to buy asset management companies in a bear market where the price has collapsed and earnings are coming under pressure and no one likes these, these companies at all. And, you know, it's a typical, uh, you know, sort of value or deep value type of play. And I think that that's, that's the way to do it because, you know, looking back in coronation, this is essentially the cheapest in the last five years. Yeah. And this share price from this level can easily double. You know, all you've got to do is... Inflation come down yep. the end of next year, interest rate cuts, bull market, you know, share will fly. Okay. When Ashraf, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, Ashraf is Mohammed is from Corner Peace Capital. Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investments. We'll be back with Stockwatch tomorrow night. Same time, same place. Have a good evening. <laughs>